about to listen to a sermon from Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church. As a church, we want to see whole communities captivated by Jesus Christ and living out His freedom. Joe Lewis and I'm doing today's Bible reading. Today's reading is from Mark chapter 15 beginning at verse 40 to chapter 16 verse 8. Some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the younger and of Joseph and Salome. In Galilee these women had followed him and cared for his needs. Many other women who had come with him to Jerusalem were also there. It was preparation day, that is, the day before Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, He gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph bought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in the linen and placed it in a tomb cut out of the rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, And Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, They saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell his disciples and Peter. He is going ahead to you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. I need Easter more than ever. Right now, it seems like every day is an experience of every emotion. You know, I find my zen or something to be joyful about, and then any range of things happen. I run out of toilet paper and got to buy it again for a dollar fifty a roll. Or suddenly, I feel very alone. Or maybe you feel this and your your boss calls and you're you're really fretting about your job security. And while all that's happening, someone drops off a care package or just reaches out to say, hi, I miss you. And then you're reading Facebook with the latest modeling of how long this might go on for and and on and on and on. Every emotion, every day. I need Easter more than ever. Our whole lives, we are searching for a story big enough to make sense of all of this. And now all of this got a whole lot messier. The reason I need 
Easter more than ever is because it is the most incredible story that ever was. And it will take you to depths you didn't know and to heights you dared not hope. You might be thinking, it's just a crutch for the weak in this moment of anguish. But it's not as simple as that. What we read in today's passage is no simple fairy tale. It's a story that if true, and I believe it is, destabilizes us as much as it offers hope. It evokes fear and then will offer peace like you've never known. And if it's true, it's the most beautiful story that ever was because it's the story about the God of the universe and you. Let's back up a little bit, back to Good Friday even. See, Jesus was crucified and standing at a distance at the, during the crucifixion were several women. And they cared for Jesus, Mark tells us so. And they cared for him throughout his life. But they stood at a distance. They were scared, they were weeping. But they were the only ones left. Everyone else had scattered. The disciples are completely absent from this story. The women, as we'll see, were also scared, but while they were distanced, they were still there. And you're here today. You might be at a distance to the good news of Jesus, or maybe you've believed for a long time and this season has really unsettled you. We're all carrying some kind of fear into this. And so Mark invites you, I invite you to participate in this story today. Now, if you are at the distance, what is going to draw you in? from standing afar to moving inward. Well, the journey of the women starts with what they observed. Let's just back up from the resurrection story back into chapter 15. We read from verse 42. It was preparation day. That is the day before the Sabbath. And so as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. That's a really important detail. Jesus didn't just faint. He didn't swoon on the cross. He didn't just get overwhelmed by a really hard day in the office. He was dead, dead. And the Romans were really good at making sure of that. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. And so Joseph brought some linen clothes, took down the body, wrapped it in linen, Uh, and then placed it in a tomb cut out of rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. Their story begins here with what they observed. What's going to draw you in? What's your starting position? And the women believed that they were at the end of the story. They believed they were going to go to the tomb that day as they make their preparations, as they get their anointing oils, as they go to anoint Jesus' body. They believed they were at the end of this sad story. And as we read, they were anxious about who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb as they, as they approach Jesus, as they approach their dead savior. While they were caught up in those details, they were still moving forward out of love. What they were going to do to Jesus' body was an act of devotion, a final act of care. But they were not expecting what happened next. 
See, as the women approached the tomb, well, what they saw was alarming. And that's not meant to be a clickbait headline. It's a statement of, of really how this unfolds, as you imagine being the women here in this moment. The fact that the stone is rolled away is alarming. Definitely. They were worrying who was going to roll it away. And they're not glad that it's rolled away. They're alarmed by that. And then the angel described as a man in white saying, don't be alarmed. That's even more alarming. But it's the unexpected announcement of the angel that is still more alarming. Because the angel says, you are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. Yes, they were. But the angel says, he has risen. He is not here. Now, this is such good news that that we have it written at the center of our wall up here, right carved into the stone. He is risen. He is here. That should be the center of every church as as we look in together, as we celebrate the fact that Jesus is no longer in the tomb. Death could not hold him down. He has risen. But the thing is, is as the angel says this, I mean, Jesus had said the same thing many times in his ministry. He talked about his own death and resurrection. But, but I, guess, I guess they just, everybody interprets things through what they already understand and how they think things work. You know, maybe Jesus was talking about new life or enlightenment or any number of things. But the thing is, is as the angel sits in that empty tomb and says, he's not here, he has risen This is an entirely new category. This is an alarming announcement. And it breaks everything that they and we knew to be true. Because people don't rise from the dead. This is the moment for the women and for us. Where the assumptions we have about the world bottom out. And that is not just disorienting. It is terrifying. An article from The Guardian this week, written by George Monbo, a British author, who's writing uh, this week about you know, all that's happening in the UK, including Boris Johnson's own hospitalisation. He, he notices the same bottoming out. He writes, COVID-19 is nature's wake-up call to complacent civilization. Now, that's a heading to grab. He writes this, he says, We have been living in a bubble a bubble of false comfort and denial. In the rich nations, we have begun to believe we have transcended the material world. The wealth we've accumulated, often at the expense of others, has shielded us from reality. Living behind screens, passing from capsules, our houses, cars, office and shopping malls, we have persuaded ourselves that contingency has retreated and that we have reached the point all civilizations seek, insulating ourselves from natural hazards. Now the membrane's ruptured, he writes, and we find ourselves naked and outraged. This is the bit when our bubble bursts and we are confronted by our scary and big reality. Now, just as COVID has disrupted our rhythms and exposed our vulnerabilities, how much more so the Easter story with its central claim that Jesus has risen from the dead. It disrupts us because the gospel is not simply a a good news story among many. 
It is the announcement that the crucified Jesus has risen from the dead. It is an announcement that the God of the universe is at work in this world in radical ways. And such an announcement, it makes a claim upon us. This is a story that invites us to be a part of a a truer reality. Jesus is inviting us to take our, our, our veil off. That we might see something new, something true, something glorious. And flooded by all of this, the women flee. The bottom has fallen out. Mark finishes his gospel. Verse 8, trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. So what's next? Not only are we left wondering, will they tell people? But I think, I think there's, a, there's a bigger wondering here. What does it mean if it's true? Now, I've told you I long for this to be true. Surely you do too. But there are three things I want to draw our attention to as we explore what if this is true now. Firstly, I think it says to us very clearly that God is not done with us. If God is dead, as some would say, then we just have to fight our way out of this by staying at home and doing nothing. It's a, it's a hard story to dwell in. It's an empty story. It's a powerless story. Now, many would see the suffering in the world as, God's, as the proof that God is absent. But, but that is not the gospel story. The gospel story is that there is suffering and God enters right into it. He enters right into our plight. He dies for us, and yet death could not hold him down. See, the resurrection is the evidence that God is with us in suffering. He has taken it all on, and death could not hold him down. God is not done with us. The second thing I want you to know, that if the resurrection is true, his glory shines especially in the darkness. In the Easter story, Jesus shows that in our absolute hopelessness, that God is still there, he is still good, and he's still glorious, even more so against the backdrop of the darkness. See, Jesus knew all of this, but we waver on this. In another gospel, John records Jesus praying before the crucifixion. Now is the time for the Son of Man to be glorified, he prays. And Jesus knew that the Father would be most glorified in what would transpire. But to everyone watching around, he just died. A horrible death. The disciples fled. The women fearfully went to anoint a dead body. And there was sadness and grief and despair. And in that darkness, in our hopelessness, God did the greatest of things. He showed us that the end is is another beginning for anyone who trusts in Jesus. What looked like a dead end was actually God weaving all things into his sovereign and glorious plan. And if this is true, then I do not need to fear right now. Because in 2020, with all that is happening, God is not less 
in control. He is working our brokenness into his glorious plan. I remember my grandfather when he was alive, loved tapestry. He would sit at the loom and and weave the wool through the canvas. And from where I sat on the floor, there he was kind of uh, facing the loom, and where I sat on the floor looking up from behind, it looked horrible. There was wool crossing over each other, big ugly knots, dangling hanging bits. Pa, what are you doing? It looks ugly. It was only when he turned the tapestry loom over to show what he was seeing that you get to see the masterpiece. And he was very good. How much more so is God able to weave his beautiful plans through our brokenness and despair, our dangly bits, our knotted up bits, all because of Jesus' death and resurrection. He takes our mess and he makes it beautiful. See, the resurrection is the proof that God can raise us from the dead, can restore what is broken, can remedy sickness and wipe away every tear. And he's taking over our knotted mess and we find ourselves in the great story of him bringing everything together into a resurrection masterpiece. And the claim of this story is that that's available to you if you trust him. Now, if God is not done with us, and if God shines his glory through the darkness, then the third thing I want you to know, that if this is true, then maybe this time isn't just a time to get through, but for God to teach us something of himself. There is more to now than simply wishing we didn't have to put up with our restrictions on our freedom. Because now is part of God's plan as much as any time. And we've seen what he can do and what he will do. And this gives us hope. And while hope doesn't immediately fix the problem right now, it gives us the confidence that there's another side to the story. And it helps us to keep weaving in the now. It fills us with courage to face the reality of things. And press forward. In love as an act of devotion. Just like the women. Maybe you're at a distance. Maybe you're really struggling. Maybe you're blasé about all of this. But I want you to know in light of the resurrection, there is hope, real hope, secure hope in Jesus Christ. And when you know that, you can learn to be still in the middle of the madness and to trust to embrace the joy that comes from this hope, this new beginning. And so on my knees, I can say to God, what do you want me to learn at this time? What are you showing me of yourself? Help me depend on you more deeply. And this posture, it's radically different to climbing the walls at home or fretting away in despair or whatever it is you're feeling, because it's the product of a grander story, a more glorious story than the world has ever known. See, the Christian story allows us to access our vulnerability in the face of the unknown, 
and it provides us with a source of true courage to move forward. So how does the story end? As I said, the women are trembling. They're they're bewildered. They fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. It's a funny ending to the gospel, isn't it? So abrupt that others tried to finish it with some add-ons, if you're reading from the Bible. Will the women speak? Well, you've got to read the other gospels to find out. But what I love about Mark's ending is that he leaves us with a, with a complex response. Because they've just heard the best news in the world and they are terrified. Because the resurrection, it's, it's no mere band-aid nor simple resolution to all of our problems. It's an entirely new category to the ending of this story and the beginning of something bigger. And it takes courage to explore it. Now, if you are willing... I challenge you to summon that courage to explore this story. And and you might just find hope. Hope for now. Hope big enough for this mess. And hope forever. That you too will be raised from death. Raised from fear, from suffering, from, from, from anything that is broken in this world. That you might be embraced in the love of the Father. Now and forever. And it's the risen Lord Jesus who is asking you to explore this with him because he is with us. I need Easter this year more than ever. What about you? listening to the Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church podcast. For more audio content and information about our church, please visit neac.com.au.